In this episode, we're talking all about relationships and that teacher-student relationship is so essential, particularly in the world language classroom where we want students to feel comfortable engaging with the language. So that means we want them to feel valued and represented and understood and respected. So to help us build these relationships even better and to navigate the dynamics, we're joined today by Ebony Thornton, who's going to give us some really actionable tools, tips, and suggestions for building the foundation of those relationships even better. So let's jump in. Are you a language teacher looking for some reassurance that what you're doing in the classroom is on the right track? Or maybe you're looking for some ways to teach even more effectively. If you're one or the other or somewhere in between, you've landed in the right place. This is the World Language Classroom Podcast with your host, me, Joshua Cabral. You're about to get tips, tools, and resources so that your students continue to rise in proficiency and communicate with confidence. Let's jump in. Vamos, allons-y. Hello, my friends. Bonjour, mes amis. Hola, mis amigos. Welcome to the World Language Classroom podcast. I am Joshua Cabral, and I will be your host for this conversation on the podcast today. And we are going to be talking about this really essential part of our classroom, which is relationships with our students. And I'm joined by Ebony Thornton, who is going to help us wrap our brains around this essential concept of student relationships. Because so many times we go into our classrooms with our best laid lesson plans and our communicative activities, and we are ready to go in our culture pieces. But maybe if we had a little more insight or understanding about our students, it would actually go over a lot better, not just for us, but for them as well. So Ebony is a Spanish teacher. She is almost at 20 years. Uh, she's just about at 19 right now in the classroom, started out as a middle school teacher, and now she is a high school teacher, and she is in the Atlanta area. Hello, and welcome on into the podcast, Ebony. Great to have you here. Muchas gracias por invitarme, Josh. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, de nada, de nada, de nada. So I would love you to make the story of Ebony a little more robust than I just gave us so that we can learn a little more about you. Well, it's funny. I had, as a senior in high school, I kind of felt education pulling me in a pulling me for a career path. My mom wanted me to go into business. She was wanting me to do international studies, go into business. Then I heard you had to take lots of math and business calculus. And for ed majors, all you needed was college algebra. So that was part of it. But just business, I I didn't feel that same pull for business as I felt for teaching. And a lot of that was due to who I had for two years, my junior and senior year of high school. And that was Senora Harding, Wendy Harding. Um, she was my Spanish teacher in Columbus, Georgia, where I'm from. And in addition to making the class fun, she was just very kind. She was a teacher that her expectations were high. She was a teacher that was that communicated those expectations. And I just, I 
it's funny because in school I had teachers where I knew I wanted to be a teacher like them. And then I also had the ones where I knew what not to do Mm -hmm. because I knew how they made me feel as a student. And I never wanted a student to feel, I never wanted to make a student feel the way that some of those teachers made me feel. Mm -hmm. So I went into that and every experience. And then on the, I've, and I've had those experiences mold and shape me into who I am. So um, I loved Spanish in school and I liked language arts too. I still love literature. I love reading. Um, the testing component kind of was a turnoff to go into language arts. So it, for Spanish, it was just the language, the culture, the people I wanted. And I wanted to share that passion with my students. I wanted to open that world up to them that Senora Harding opened up to me. Mm-hmm. So that's why I became um, a Spanish teacher. Yeah. And it's been a great 19 years, mm-hmm. if I do say so myself. Can you tell us a little bit about the community and demographic of students that you work with every day? Sure. Um, my high school is about 55% African-American, mostly middle, you know, you're pretty middle-class community. Um, defending state champions, go Rams. I had to put that in there in football. And we have a thriving athletic community, thriving academic community. Um, last year, one of the students in our top 10 won a $40,000 Amazon internship and scholarship. Um, we have students that go from into the military, the workforce, MIT, Berkeley, UGA, all across the gamut, millions Mm -hmm. of dollars of scholarships awarded um, in my school community. So it's very, it's diverse. Um, Mm -hmm. We have students that are some of them first generation African immigrants. Um, Their parents immigrated from West Africa, Ghana, Nigeria, Cameroon, Sierra Leone, and they're the first born in the United States. We have Latinx students. We have Haitian students. I have students from Asian American ancestry. So it's a it's it's a very diverse community. Of, and I love being, I love where I work. So you must have in your classes, in your Spanish classes, the students have other languages at home besides English. Quite a few. Um, I have had students that... My West Af- uh, my students of African ancestry of African descent speak. Some of them speak French and Spanish. Some of them speak Twi. Some of them speak Yoruba, um, the traditional African dialects from home. So, or um, if they're Haitian, French Creole. So, or Hmong if they're Vietnamese. So yes, I have I have students that are already bilingual before they come into my class even if they cannot speak and then I have heritage students where you know the the lat the Spanish sounding last name doesn't always necessarily mean they're a heritage speaker they could have the last name Martinez or Garcia not speak and mm-hmm. not speak anything um, and mm-hmm. their parents will have them yes I want you know and we say are you sure and we give them the placement test and it was because they may have grown up in a home where their parents only wanted them to speak English mm-hmm. because they remember as kids how they were treated mm-hmm. because they didn't speak English. Right. And now they want their children to learn Spanish. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a truly diverse community. It's a reflection of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, very much so. Yeah. 
So you had mentioned when you were talking about your experience about having those teachers that provided you with positive experiences and then some that led you to have this mindset of, I never want to make a student feel the way that teacher made me feel. Can you talk a little specifically about what were those experiences that were very positive for you as a student that you wanted to build on? And what were maybe some of those that you want to make sure that don't happen with your students? Well, the ones that were the the builders were, I took course for four years. Mm -hmm. And so when I would see Senora Harding at our chorus productions, or she would ask, how did the show go? When we did our group performance evaluation, she would always say, well, how did you guys do? Did you get a superior? Did you get an excellent? Or she would see me at the concert and say that my solo was really pretty, just asking about me, asking about my life. So that was something that I appreciated, that that personal piece, that time to invest in me. Or she knew that I was in, in a lot of service organizations in um, my school. So she would ask how this went or how that went. I was in sort of not quite FCA, but a, a, a faith-based organization at my at that my school it was a part of. And she would always ask, you know, I know you guys talked to the kids about self-esteem. How did it go? Did you, you know, did the kids ask a lot of good questions? So just that that component of being involved was important to me. Or she saw me at prom and said, you looked really pretty at prom. And that meant a lot to me. Whereas on the other end, it was not, it was more of the, co- it was more covert than it was intentional. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There was an undercurrent in that class of my presence is tolerated here, mm-hmm. yeah. but it's really not welcomed. Mm-hmm. It's, it's tolerated because mm-hmm. I was smart mm-hmm. and I was intelligent, mm-hmm. but not really welcomed. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, absolutely. And we often don't think that we often think that if a student's not verbalizing that they understand that, that it's not understood, but it's understood Mm -hmm. that you're being made to feel that way. Um, So now that you you're sort of I love that you use the term the the teacher that built me up. That was I, I like using that that terminology. That's really helpful and it helps to really frame this work. So with your own students, like what is it that you try to do to be like Senora Harding? Did I get that right? Was it Senora Harding? Yes. Yes. yes right. So like you wanna you want to have so you want your students to feel the way Senora Harding made you feel. So what are those things that you're doing with your students? And I think you told me earlier, how many students do you teach? Any given school year, somewhere between 150 to maybe 100, around 150 to 160 kids. Yeah, Yeah. you strike me as one of those teachers who would like to do all of this for every single one of those students. But what are those things that you're doing to give the, uh, what I will call the Senora Harding experience? (laughs) You start small. Um, What I often do is at the beginning of the year, I will have them introduce themselves on on a Flipgrid. I do a Google form. Um, and this year on the Google form, I asked, you know, the typical stuff, name, age, grade level. I added pronouns this year. Mm-hmm. 
in addition to adding pronouns, I also asked, is this a safe pronoun to use in my room? And is it safe to use at home? Mm-hmm. Just which, again, may not seem like a big deal on the surface. But for a student that needs that, mm-hmm. that means a lot. Mm-hmm. I teach a lot of athletes. Mm-hmm. So I ask them. We, you know, last year we were in the middle of a state run. And every football player, because I taught a good number of the football team, I said, they all told me in August, we're going to win state, Senorita Thornton. We're going to win state. We're going to win state. And I say, you say that all the time. Are you sure? Are you sure this is here? They said, no, I promise. We're going on God. We are going to win state this year. On God, we are winning. And they did. So I would ask Mm -hmm. how, you know, I would go to the games and I would make sure to mention if they, I, I would go to the games and, or I would watch them on TV because sometimes our games are televised. Ah. If one of my students specifically got a sack or got a touchdown, I mentioned it Monday or I mentioned it the following day. Mm-hmm. Um, one of mine scored a rushing touchdown and I saw Monday and I said, Hey, that was a good run on Friday. Or, you know, you really did what you really played hard defense or, you know, that was a nice pick for some of my students, my hair, they ask about, a lot of the girls mm-hmm. ask about my hair, where I go to buy it, where I get it done. If I notice their lash, just little things like I see a girl with a nice outfit on. Your outfit's really cute today. Mm-hmm. Or they try something new with their makeup. I like your makeup. It looks really nice. Or those are really nice lashes. Just little things like that that show that I see them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be big. You don't have to, you know delve into their life story and they're you know they will let you know what Mm -hmm. they want you to know Mm -hmm. if you're willing to listen yeah and if you're perceptive Mm -hmm. enough so can we talk a little bit about sometimes those barriers that go up with students and when you see those as much as we we want to engage it feels good for us, but it doesn't necessarily always feel good for them. So what are some of those obstacles you've seen and do you push or do you respect that? Well, it depends. I think for some students, it's a matter of your authenticity. Mm -hmm. Kids know when you're fake. Mm -hmm. Kids know when you really genuinely have their best interest at heart. They really can tell if a teacher cares. And then there are some that they can tell, "Eh, she's just saying this to say it. So what is important for me is I let them know right out of the gate. I want them to feel that way. One of the best compliments that I got from some of my seniors that just graduated, I sent them all, I sent some emails and I sent some letters. And the ones that said, thank you for never giving up on us. Thank you for always having our back. I did a end of the year survey and I asked my students who were leaving my class last year, what's one thing that they should know about me? And the one that really touched my heart the most was no matter what, she's going to have your back. Mm -hmm. And that meant a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think having, so having your back, having your students back means two things. It means being available to them, Mm -hmm. but also understanding I'm not their mom. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, and some teachers pull that, you know, parent, parent and, absentia kind of mode mm-hmm. that's not no they have they have a village mm-hmm. i said that on twitter they have a village mm-hmm. i am i building it or am i trying to tear it down mm-hmm. and we just kind of work for a place of mutual mutual respect mm-hmm. 
And I see, okay, you know what? They're just here to acquire mm-hmm. the content that they need for these 180 days, get their credit and go. And I'm an Enneagram too. So I'm very much an emotional kind of person and I, and I want to be helpful. Mm-hmm. So I have to tell myself, I can't take that personally. Mm-hmm. That it's not a reflection of me. It's just that's where they are. And mm-hmm. for students who may be neurodivergent, they may not want me all up in their personal space. They may not want me all in their emotional space. They may not have the spoons to mm-hmm. build a rapport with somebody as I'm an am I'm an extroverted ambivert, but I can be very extroverted when I teach. I'm real. I don't know if you can tell or not, but I'm a little high. Mm-hmm. I'm a little high energy. And so <laughs> I understand that that can be a lot. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I just kind of read the room. And if I notice a student is just, mm-hmm. they're always polite. They're always respectful, but not really like participating. I say, you know what? They just, just want me to teach and go. And I honor that. I don't push because you, when they establish that boundary that I just want a teacher, because they may have somebody else that they get that piece from. Because that to me is part of a reflect of, of an effective relationship and one that's healthy is one where boundaries are respected. And I have to, like my students have to do that with me and I have to do that with them. So if, I'm always just trying to pick and pick and pick and pick and prod and prod and prod and get all in their business. I'm not respecting their boundary. And now it becomes a problem. And that's where the, Mm -hmm. you know, that could lead to issues in the classroom as far as behavior Mm -hmm. when really they just want, they want to learn. They want to acquire this content, pass my test, Mm -hmm. get their credit and be, and, and go about their, their day. And if that's what they want, that's okay too. Yeah, that's part of the the respect piece. And, you know, a lot of times when we, we, we talk about what we do as teachers, we want every single student to have this particular experience. And, of course, if you look at social media, mm-hmm. many times everybody is just the best and their students are just flourishing in every way. And I'm the, the most, I'm, I'm the best mentor teacher out there. And we don't all talk about that experience that you just kind of talked about right there. And as I, I explained this before we started talking, I explained this to, to Ebony that I really wanted to have this conversation with her because I so much appreciate how authentic and transparent she is about these things that we do need to recognize, you know, that they're part of respecting a student is respecting that they want boundaries in that relationship and that we're not all the, the savior teacher in that moment and and what those boundaries are going to be what you were saying earlier on about you you go to the game and you mention something that happened at the game for many students th- that is so i don't even know if validating is the word but it's recognized and understood mm-hmm. especially if they're not a player that is considered one of the mm-hmm. big men on campus type of players. You know, they may play varsity, mm-hmm. but they're not necessarily a starter, mm-hmm. you know, but they still got a good play in. You know, they may, especially the kids that, if you use a sports analogy, for for, for anybody who's listening, because I love sports too, when a team has a pretty big lead 
and they're just kind of letting the clock run. You let your underclassmen, your second string, your third string, get some rotations so that when it's their mm-hmm. turn, their junior, senior year, they're used to running the plays. So I notice I'll always make it a point. If I see one of my JV babies out, if I see one of my JV kids out there who gets a nice tackle, I'm going to say, hey, I saw you play because mm-hmm. they're going to assume no one saw them play because they left at halftime when the team was up by 28. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to assume, wait, she stayed? She saw that because they're used to playing when the stadium's half empty. It's after halftime. Everybody's trying to get home and beat all that traffic because, you know, we're up by Mm -hmm. 20, 30 points and everybody knows, okay, we're going to win. I'm going to go home. So just something small like that or going to what I what I always used to do. I do this at my middle school. It's I would always go to at least one sporting event a season and even a mom noticed that she said Miss Thorne that's why these kids love you because you're always I did I would go to at least a couple of and it's easy because the football games usually were right after school in middle school in high school I stay get some work done and you know catch up on grading or whatever and then I stay for the game but I would go when I taught middle school to at least one thing a season one football game one softball game one wrestling match, one basketball game, mm-hmm. the court, the the fine arts concerts, because the mm-hmm. fine arts kids like that recognition too, and the track meets. High school is a little harder because there's always <laughs> something going on. But I am gonna mm-hmm. try to this year, as safely as I can, make that commitment to attend. At least one thing. And then I've actually been invited because some of the sports have teacher appreciation nights and a student has invite. Yeah. And a student has invited me. And um, during halftime or the intermission, I walk out with the student on the field. They read why I'm their favorite teacher um, for lacrosse. I get a little, I get a little lacrosse ball with their name on it. Thanks for everything for softball. You throw the, they throw the pitch. The football team one year recognized me as the staff member of the week, and I got a shirt and some flowers. That was really sweet. So I just, I let them know that I see them and the things that they do outside of my class, the things that are important. It's important to me because it's important to them. I mean, I include Mm songs that they like on my playlist in class sometimes i ask them for music recommendations you know um Mm -hmm. as a spanish teacher i know we all love los tigres del norte and and the classics but Mm -hmm. the kids listen to ozuna the kids listen to cnco the kids listen to bad bunny the kids listen to j balvin Mm -hmm. so i incorporate that in music i play for them in class how do your relationships with students translate to to them in the classroom specifically like with Spanish and engaging with Spanish where are you bringing in those experiences so that they're involved in the activities when they're speaking in Spanish so how how does that work well i always try to make sure that my students have a sense of representation mm-hmm. when we're doing different curricular units or whatever, I try to make sure that I include, again, my school is 50% African-American. So when we're going over images or talking about clothes, we're talking about style, 
I show women mm-hmm. of color. When we were talking when I last year, and it was probably one of the best units I did, I used Nearpod from time mm-hmm. to time. And there's this beautiful little short, and it's called Hair Love. And it's on YouTube. Um, have you seen it? I have. I created a reflexive verbs unit around that. And in that, we talked about, you know, the girls said, oh, I can relate to her because that's why I do my own hair. You know, and those were different things that they talked about, you know, and I got to ask what hair products would you, you know, what would what would you tell Zuri? How would you tell Zuri to do her hair? ¿Qué, le recom- qué productos le recomiendo mm-hmm. a Zuri para peinarse? ¿Por qué no puedo peinarse mm-hmm. a su papá? And we got to talk about those things in Spanish and in English. You know, I would always ask the the weekend of our, when the first year I was there when we won the championship, it was always, I remember that weekend, everybody, when I asked them, ¿Qué vas a hacer el fin de semana? Voy al Georgia Dome. Voy al campeonato. Voy mm-hmm. al partido de fútbol. Yo voy al campeonato. Mm-hmm. Yo voy al state. Or, ¿Qué hiciste el fin de semana? Fui al campeonato. Fui mm-hmm. al partido de fútbol. Comí en the varsity. Yeah, and, I'd say, and I saw all of them at the varsity mm-hmm. that night. Downtown Atlanta, they have this, it's like a, it's, it's a, it's called the varsity. They have like mm-hmm. diner style food, burgers, fries, whatever. And then the football stadium, is right is within walking distance. So I saw all of them there, and I just asked them, "Qué pediste in the varsity?" And they say, "Oh, yo pedí un hamburguesa, yo pedí un corn dog, pedí mm-hmm. onion rings, or whatever." Um, I asked them about shows that they like. I asked them about mm-hmm. K-pop. Um, when we did Dia de los Muertos or Friendos, one of the girls asked. Could she do a TV show character? And I think she did somebody from Vampire. And I said, of course. And she did somebody mm-hmm. from Vampire Diaries. Wow, just bringing in, bringing in those uh, experiences into the classroom that way. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm going to change my hashtag of the Senora Harding experience to now the, the Senora Thornton experience. Just so you know, that'll be my trending hashtag when I refer to these relationships. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So thank I, you, thank you. Oh, Senorita, though. Oh, I am not so senorita. sorry. Okay, Senorita. Not married yet. Senorita. Okay. As I was saying it, I was like, oh, I'm going to go with Senora. We'll see. She'll correct me if I'm wrong. So thank you for keeping me honest with that and genuine. Mm-hmm. So I would love to hear, as well as our listeners, where does your inspiration come from? Like, who are you looking to, whether it's conferences or people you follow on social media where you think that's that's inspiring for me as I look at my teaching and student relationships there are a lot of great teachers I follow when I started the black WL mm-hmm. teachers hashtag um, I did that because when I would go present at conferences and I would go to workshops I noticed not a lot of people mm-hmm. there that looked like me I am I am black. I am not Afro Latinx, but I am uh, African descendant of slaves, Black American, Black U.S. citizen, and I know that there are great Black French teachers and Black Spanish teachers, and some of my it prompted it, it because my students were like, "Well, how how did you mm. learn Spanish?" Or they, they it never dawned on them to think that a black woman could be fluent in Spanish and learn it and like mm-hmm. it and pick it up as a career. And the same thing in French, but 
the majority of the French speaking world is Francophone. It mm-hmm. is the Caribbean. It mm-hmm. is West Africa. Why, why do students, you know, why is it they just think mm-hmm. Canada and France? So it's incorporate, you know, these languages are spoken by their friends. They hear mm-hmm. it in the hall. They hear it in their communities. It doesn't just have to be, well, you can use it mm-hmm. when you go travel. Da, 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 da. No, you can use it with your, you can use it. You know, I saw another teacher on Twitter say, it really didn't matter to them if their students knew the difference between un parfait and pas composé, but he could write his grandma mm-hmm. in Senegal a letter. Mm-hmm. That's what meant the most to him. For me, Regina mm-hmm. O'Neill is a great resource, especially for teachers who are looking to incorporate um, more authentically Afro-Latin, Afro-Latinx, Af- you know, that, mm-hmm. that piece. Because a lot of times Black students just literally, when they think, Spanish speakers, I think they think somebody that looks like Jennifer Lopez or somebody that looks like Sofia Vergara, mm-hmm. not realizing it's a whole gamut and mm-hmm. a community of of right. people. And I mentioned it a little bit, you know, I'll play Chuck Quip Town or I'll play Sec or um, different things like that. But I want to I, I try to gradually mm-hmm. integrate it so that, you know, a student who has me isn't just shocked that I'm black and speak Spanish. Of course I do. Why wouldn't I? And the the hashtag again, can you tell us what the hashtag is on Twitter? Yes, it is hashtag black WL teachers. Mm-hmm. So anyone on this podcast, if you are a black Latin teacher, John Bracey's mm-hmm. another great guy to follow. Um, Magister mm-hmm. Bracey, I believe. He teaches Latin. And... Yeah, but it's hashtag Black WL Teachers. The WL is capitalized, and then Teachers mm-hmm. is capitalized. You'll find it, and there we all are. So anyone that uses that hashtag, you can follow for some great resources and just some great teachers and mm-hmm. great people. Yes, excellent. Thank you for for starting that and getting that trending. It's it's a it's a lens that is not seen. And you're helping us to see it. So thank you very much for that. Well, I also appreciate people like you and people like um, Meredith White. Meredith and I work mm-hmm. in the same system. Um, Meredith, I don't know if you know who yeah. Meredith is, but she's a great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Meredith mm-hmm. and I work in the same system. By doing the flag workshop she did last semester, Meredith was intentional and deliberate of who she mm-hmm. invited and specifically focused on not just inviting the same lens, mm-hmm. if you will, of mm-hmm. language teachers. It was a very diverse list. She made sure to include black teachers, Asian teachers, so that it wasn't just um, a lot of people think that just teaching a foreign language, if you teach a foreign language, then you're automatically an expert on diversity or that you can't be mm-hmm. prey to the same biases and prejudices Mm -hmm. and that's not always the case you can still have Mm -hmm. those there i mean you can be a french teacher or a german teacher or 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 you can still be a world languages teacher and still Mm -hmm. be a racist yeah actually so covertly sometimes is the case Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so now uh, i would like to pull the teacher curtain back a little bit and 
get to know Ebony, the person behind there, a bit more. And okay. with my my favorite part of uh, ending out the podcast episode with this or that, so we can just learn a little bit more about you. I'll say this or that, and you can choose okay. one. If you want to sure. say why, that's interesting, but don't feel obliged. So here's the first one. Uh, you're having a meal. Do you go with the mild version or the spicy version? Spicy. Oh. <laughs> don't even have to think about it. <laughs> I I mean, I'll just pay. For, I'll probably pay for it later with heartburn, but I like I, I Yeah, spicy. Okay. All righty. So you're uh, in a meeting or at a conference or something. You're taking notes. Are you writing on a pad with a pen or are you doing it on your computer? I'm probably writing them down because if I have my computer up, I'm going to be doing everything but the meeting. I would Mm -hmm. be, that's why I probably wouldn't use my phone. If I really want Uh to, I'm, I'm, I'm 40. So I have the blessing of the analog childhood, digital adulthood. So (laughs) I know for me, if I really want to remember this, I'm better about using my phone for calendars and stuff like that. But if I really, really, really want to cement it, I need to write it down. So I, mm-hmm. if I really want to take notes, I'll have a notepad. Okay. And one last one here. The music of today or from a decade or two ago? Which one would you go for? Absolutely decade or two ago. I keep Sirius XM Fly. 90s on 9, Pop 2K, Lithium, and I'm even going to age myself a little bit, The Groove, and The Groove is 80s and 90s, like, it's, The Groove is, like, 70s funk, 80s R&B, 90s R&B, I keep that in rotation, but probably my favorite channels of SiriusXM, Pop 2K, Serious X and Fly and 90s Online. I love classic R&B. I love classic hip hop. I love 90s pop. I am a 24-year devoted Backstreet Boys fan. Oh. Um, yeah, I was actually trying to go see them at their residency in Las Vegas. It's not looking real possible right now, which is cool because I, I thought about it and I said, do I really want to go? be at a concert with a whole bunch of people in Las Vegas and then go see my 70-ish year old parents? No, I don't. (laughs) So I just said, eh, I'll wait and see them next summer. But yeah, I like um, old music. So yeah, I like the throwbacks, 100%. (laughs) So good. Excellent. Well, I am sure that there are people listening to us right now that would like to connect with you. So where can they do that? They can find me on my Twitter handle, e. Thornton GHS. My Instagram is Senorita Thornton GHS, all one word. And can you remind us one more time about your uh, trending hashtag on Twitter? Oh, uh, sure. And it's not just mine, but all of it's the one I started, but Black mm-hmm. WL Teachers, and that stands for Black World Language Teachers. Mm-hmm. So. Excellent. If you are a world language teacher of color and you teach German, you teach Latin, you teach French, find it, follow us. I want to do a meet up with everybody at some point. Um, I wanted to do one last sem- over the summer, but I thought, you know what? Everybody just needs. 
we just yeah. need to summer right mm -hmm. now. And um, it still is on my mind to do at some point, even if it's just a real quick Zoom call where we all just mm -hmm. say hey mm -hmm. and have that community. But um, my goal is for us to connect and meet and start having like roundtable discussions where we talk about, you know, how do we best reach our students of color? What have been microaggressions we've experienced in the work? You know, that that's the goal. Mm -hmm. So it's coming. Okay. Um, maybe so even a... I, the the big goal would be at one of the Nash at a national or regional conference. We mm -hmm. just have like a round table. I'll mm -hmm. get there. So that's why everyone needs to follow you on Twitter because you'll be letting <laughs> everyone know on Twitter when and where that's happening. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I really appreciate your time and your insights and everything that you brought to this conversation. Thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you for inviting me, Josh. And I hope you stay, you and all of your listening audiences stay safe and stay well and have an awesome school year. What were your takeaways from that conversation with Ebony Thornton? For me, two big things stood out. The first one, authenticity. Those relationships need to be genuine and authentic with students. And the second is representation. Curriculum is not going to do that for us. We need to make sure that we are adding opportunities for students to see their lived experience and reality reflected in what we are doing in the classroom. Be sure to check out the show notes so you can connect with Ebony and that hashtag Black World Language Teachers on Twitter. And you will also see a link in the show notes to sign up for Talking Points, which is my weekly newsletter where you will get tips and tools for language teaching on Tuesday every week, as well as a reminder when there's a new episode of the podcast for you to listen to. We'll talk again real soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to the World Language Classroom Podcast. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening so you don't miss a single episode. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at WL Classroom. You can also see over 250 blog posts about language teaching at, you guessed it, wlclassroom.com.